I know you were plotting for Luke there. <laughs> hey, um, <clears throat> it's exciting to see what God's doing. It's exciting to be part of something where you rub shoulders with other people that are willing to take risks for Jesus. I mean, th- that's what this is. Uh, the Christian life is a risk. You know that. And we never see anything really happen until we are willing to step out and take risks. In fact, uh, sometimes we build these structures around our lives that keep us from ever facing any risks. And we're so fearful of risk that we never really see the corresponding work of God in any depth. And until, until we're on the edge, until we're at a place where we can't do it. I can't plan my way through this. I can't, fig- I can't talk my way through it. Until we're there, we don't see God work. Not, not, like, not like he wants to. Not in power. And so risk is just a part of the whole thing. You know, when we started this church, and that's what we've been talking about last week and, and this, um, it, it was a risk. And it was a risk to, uh, it, to, to birth something. We got a a prophetic word, in fact, at the very beginning that uh, read like this. This was when we were just um, a group of us just meeting and praying in our basement. But uh, this person gave us this word. When this church is birthed, no one will wonder who its daddy is. Okay, hear that again? When this church is birthed, no one will wonder who its daddy is. And uh, how many people here have given birth? That's a risky endeavor, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you come to a point where you think, stop, stop the buses. If I can get off right now, I want to, I changed my mind. Uh, birth, birth is not always an easy thing and, and it's risky. And yet when God calls us into something, uh, we, we take the risks. And actually one of the things that Luke shared, um, we hired them before we got the money and made that decision and knew the money's not in the budget. I don't know how we're going to pay for this, but I know that God's leading us to put these two guys on staff. I know that I know that that's what God's saying, and so we're going to we're going to offer them the jobs, and we're just going to see how God provides. And it was shortly after that that God did provide. But even if that gift hadn't come, God would have still provided. There were two actually, and if they hadn't come, God would have still provided some other way. And so the persons that gave those gifts, they got to be in on it. They got to be part of the excitement. They got to be part of the risk-taking. And that, that, that's what it is for each one of us in this Christian life. When we talk about um, no one will wonder who its daddy is, uh, there are a few things involved in that, I think. For one, uh, we want to look like him. We want it uh, to be the type of thing that where people get to spend time around us. When people get to spend time around us as a church body, uh, as the church collected, you know, there's the church gathered and then there's the church scattered. And the church consists of people who have come to know Jesus. And when we come to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit changes us, makes us brothers and sisters to Jesus and makes us all part of the same family. So the Holy Spirit's living in us and that, and that connects us to each other. But the Holy Spirit also connects us to heaven. And so we're connected to each other and we're connected to heaven. And it's that connection to heaven that makes us look like our father because he changes us inside and then just the flow of heaven's life coming into us 
reflects the goodness of God and the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and the joy of Jesus and the life and all, all that, uh, that, that we see when we, when we think of, of God and all of his goodness. And we want to reflect that as a church body. That's, that's from the beginning. We wanted, at the, for the church gathered, for people to come in and say, ah, God's here. Yeah, you know, I sensed something when I came, not into the building, although because we meet in this building, it does seem that God's presence kind of uh, focuses here a lot. But uh, it's, it's coming into contact with the church body that, yeah, we see Jesus in this. And then when each one of us are out there, whether we're at uh, Kroger's or at school or at um, some kid's sporting event or out at the mall praying for people, whatever it might be. And, and by the way, you know Luke's invitation to go pray? That's real, all right? Wednesday, get here about a quarter, quarter to five, is that right? Get here at five, and you can go out with somebody that's used to going out. You can just tag along. You don't even have to do anything. You can pair up with someone else and, and they'll lead the way and you get to be part of the excitement. But you talk about risk. I mean, where's the risk in my life? And I ask you the question, in your life with Jesus, where's the risk? Where's the risk? Maybe that, you know, that, that, that's why we don't see power is because we, we, we need to risk. We all need to. I need to risk more. And, and I call you to that. I think that's a word that God has for us as a church body, collectively, that we take risks. I'm going to share a little bit of a risk we're taking uh, with you later in the service as we put together this year's plans and budgeting and all of that. But we need to take risks just in our relationships and in, 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 in life itself. So Jesus, um, <clears throat> he at this one point was talking to his apostles and, and he said to them, who do people say I am? And they answered. They said, well, some people say you're um, Elijah, great prophet from the Old Testament. Some say you're just a prophet. And others, this is a little bit wacky, but some people say that you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. And so Jesus really wasn't as interested in what other people said as, as this next question. I think it was all just a setup for the next question. So the next question was this. Who do you say I am? You know, who do you say I am? And Peter steps up, and Peter gives a profound answer. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Maybe you can just stop right there. Living God. Not an idol, not a statue, not something someone wrote down on paper about who God might be, or not a philosophy, but a living God. And you know, the Bible says there is no other God ever who is actually alive like our God is, who actually does stuff in this world. And you know, that's why we can take risks, because he's living, he's alive. And you and I can step out and take risks because he's there. And when we risk, he backs up the risk. He backs us up. And we get to experience his life and his power and his joy to, to these new levels that we never will just by trying to live a nice, safe Christian life. And so you're the son of the living God. And Jesus replies then, and he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you this, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now he, he says here, 
You're blessed, Peter. You know this. You're blessed. Why was he blessed? Just by knowing that? No, it wasn't just by knowing that that he was blessed. He was blessed because when heaven opened up and God the Father spoke to Peter's heart, Peter had a tender heart. He had a heart that was willing to say, okay, God, here I am. If you're going to speak, I'm going to receive. If you're going to drop these seeds out of heaven, I'm going to give you a heart that is like nice, soft, cultivated soil so those seeds can fall into the soil and so they can bear fruit. And the fruit is the fruit of heaven. See, that's what, that's what the Christian life is. That's what makes us different. Following Jesus isn't about obeying a list of rules. It's not about my self-discipline. It's not about me promising to never do this again and promising I'll always do this from now on. It's not that at all. It is us opening our hearts and allowing God's truth, allowing God to speak his life into us. And when we do that, life occurs. Life sprouts up. And so we look like our daddy then. And so Jesus says here, my father revealed this to you. Do you know there was a time... When Jesus uh, was in, in a big crowd of people and he prays and just in the, everyone around him can hear. And he just kind of like shouts out, Father, be glorified, glorify your name. And heaven opens. And I like that concept. Heaven opens. You know, really, actually, we live with an open heaven today. Do you know that? Since Jesus died on the cross He broke the powers of hell, broke the powers of sin, rose from the dead, went back to heaven. We live with an open heaven today. But still, it kind of helps me when I tell myself, yeah, heaven opened up. And so heaven opened up right there. God the Father spoke. And he said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And do you know what happened next? This crowd of people around, they're all hearing exactly the same thing. It says, some of them said... It thundered. They said, what was that? Well, that was thunder. What happened? It was thunder. It must have been thunder. What else could it have been? This big sound out of heaven. They had no grid. They had no space in their hearts or in their lives or in their minds to say, maybe that was God. Maybe that was God speaking. And so heaven opens, but their hearts weren't opened. And just thunder to them. Others in that same crowd, they said, no, that was an angel that spoke to them. Now, they didn't get it entirely right, did they? But they were closer. At least they recognized something from heaven happened. Something happened. Somehow, this was God sending a message. God was releasing something. That, and why? What was the difference? It wasn't in the hearing. It wasn't, or it wasn't in the speaking. It was in the hearing. And that's why Jesus says over and over again, if you have ears to hear, and then you're going to understand what I'm about to say. If you've got ears to hear, then you'll know this is true. If you've got ears to hear, then you'll be able to receive this. And what he was always speaking of when he said that was the heart, the ears of the heart, the eyes of the heart. Do I have an open heart? Do I have a hard heart that's just going to reject what must be thunder? Or do I have an open heart, a soft heart that's going to say, okay, God, if you're going to speak, then... I'm going to listen because I want to tell you if what Peter said here, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
If that is not a true statement, if that's a false statement, then it has absolutely no meaning. But if it is a true statement, then it is supremely meaningful. Then it is the supreme truth, and it should change everything about our lives. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so we want to have open hearts. That's, that's what this, we started this church just with this cry and with this desire. We want to have open hearts to you, God. Lead us. Show us what you want. Show us how you want to do this. Show us how you want to work, where you want to work. We want to know you. We want to know you. And that's part of, that's part of the prophetic word. Uh, daddy. No one will wonder who its daddy is. And the word daddy, but that's intimate. That's intimate. And so that prophetic word not only included uh, us as a church body and as individuals growing more and more to look like our father, to look like Jesus, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Not, not only that, but also just spoke to the intimacy that, uh, that God was going to take us into. And that happens as we receive the revelation that God gives us, it releases the, the power and the life of heaven right into us. And you know, he says here, Peter, um, you are Peter, that's uh, means rock, and some have then gone on to what Jesus said when Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church, and have said, well, Peter's the foundation of the church, and I don't believe that's what this passage is meaning. I think what he's doing is he's encouraging Peter, he's drawing out the best in Peter, but the word that's translated for Peter there uh, that the, is rock, it, it doesn't mean pebble, but it doesn't mean like foundation, uh, like like um, bedrock either. It means like the type of rock you would use to build a wall with. Have you ever built a wall? I built a couple stone walls and I know you don't want pebbles. You want, you want chunks, you want big chunks, solid rocks that when you put them down, boom, they stay there. And what, what Jesus is doing is saying, that's the kind of guy you're gonna be, Peter. But when he says, on this rock I will build my church, that word refers to bedrock. It refers to the type of rock that you hit when you go down a certain distance into the ground and you can build a foundation on it and build a, 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 a building a hundred stories high on it because you build it on bedrock and it'll be solid. And what is the bedrock here? What's the bedrock? Some say it is simply the profession uh, this, this word, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But I think it's more than that. I think what he's talking about here is that as a revelation from heaven that is received by open hearts. That is the foundation of the church. The revelation from heaven, open hearts to an open heaven. Open hearts that receive this truth from heaven. And our lives are changed and our hearts are changed and we're bound together through the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And that binding together is what the church is. It's a group of people who know Jesus and are bound together through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And do you know, when he goes on to say, the gates of hell will not stand against it. He is calling his church a place of power and authority. That, that's what he's saying, that the church is to be a place in this dark world of not only of light, but of power and authority to release that light and that life everywhere we go. That's why you can go to the mall 
and pray for people and they get healed. And that's why you can go there week after week and then you see a breakthrough and nine people get saved all in one week. Isn't that awesome? It's incredible. It's incredible. It's awesome. Yeah. It's because the church, when we walk in unity, the power is just multiplied and the authority is something that we experience, not, not, not just as pastors, but, but as people, as part of the church body. And then when we go out, we are the church scattered and, and we carry with us this presence of the spirit of God and we look like our father and we carry his authority and his power and release it everywhere we go. So uh, power and authority, and, uh, it, and it really comes from unity, you know? Not perfect unity. We'll never have perfect unity. How, how could you have that? We're all human beings. But unity in the sense of saying, all right, here's where we're headed. We're agreed. This is the direction. We're headed there. You see that mountain peak over there? All right, we're going there. Well, I'm walking. Well, I'm going to ride in a buggy. Well, I'm going to wagon. Well, I'm going to ride a horse. Well, that's okay. Come on. Just get with the program. That's where we're headed. We're all moving that direction, and, and there's unity. It doesn't have to be perfect unity, but there's unity. And why not? I mean, God loves it when his children are in unity. I mean, I love it when my kids are in unity. I have four uh, adult children who are all married now, so four children and, and uh, three daughter-in-laws and one, no, three Wait a second. You know what I mean. Yeah, I can't get that straight. Yeah, okay. Three of them are married. Wilson, Wilson just got married recently, and I think we're going to like try to have a time when you can come and greet Will and Jen as newlyweds. They just got married a couple weeks ago. Um, but um, our daughter, Emily, brought a guy back with her from Albuquerque, and uh, we're having dinner with them, and come to a point in the dinner where I kind of gently and nicely asked him what his intentions were. And, uh, and he responded by saying, well, that's why I came back. I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to ask you for permission to uh, marry your daughter. So that was awesome. That was cool. Great guy. Really happy. But uh, you know what I found out later? All of my kids knew that. Lori and I were the only two that didn't know that's why he was coming back. And you know how, how I am with that? I'm just great with that. I love it. I love it. I've, I'd rather, I love the fact that they talk to each other and they go to each other for advice and they communicate. And even that they agree, well, let's not tell mom and dad. We got to let, got to let Zach ask, ask mom and dad. We can't let the cat out of the bag, but we all know. That's awesome. And listen, God, the father loves it when his kids just hang out together and communicate and come to each other for advice and for encouragement and ministry and hope and strengthening. And when that happens, there's power that's released. There's the authority and power of heaven. The authority and power of Jesus Christ are released into the church body, into us and through us. So uh, notice Jesus says it's mine and the the church belongs to him. So this church... um, Last week, I brought us right up to the point of moving into this building, and uh, we had met in the YMCA for four years, 
and church had grown to 300 people. Uh, God provided this property. We put together a, a building uh, team that designed the building and we put together kind of like a giving emphasis. I, I always, I never wanted to call it a campaign. It had, had a different feel, but uh, I guess we called it a giving campaign too. But, um, uh, really our whole goal was just to share with the church body. Here's what we see as the next step for us. Here's what we see God doing. Here's what it's going to cost. And I think the building was like 3.6 million, something like that when we built it. And the bank wanted $650,000 because we hadn't existed long enough to have a long enough track record. And so that sounded impossible. We had 300 people. And, uh, but we, we went ahead with it and we went ahead with the program and with the whole thing. We came to this one weekend, Sunday, that we met at a place called Receptions up in Fairfield, had a big dinner and asked everyone to give what God had led them to give. And if you were here last week, you know, at the end of that count, we had received over $750,000. Yeah, it was just amazing, amazing people. Yeah, man, it was amazing. I mean, it was what God did. It was God speaking to people, but it was people opening their hearts and saying, speak too. And then people listening and, and obeying and giving. And it was an amazing thing. So we were able to move into this building in June of 2006. Now, the last couple months at the Y, we averaged a little over 400 people. You know, with the anticipation of moving into here, we were really packing the place out. And um, by the end of that year, 2006, we averaged over 700 people. So we went from 400 to 700 in just a few months. In September of 2006, we had over 900 people at one service. And uh, that was awesome. Man, it was just exciting to see all the, look at all the people, man. Where's everyone coming from? And, and I'm constantly thinking, Lori and I, did, when, we, when we actually sat down to plan this church, we thought we needed 35 people to start it. And I, and I just said, where are we ever going to find 35 people? And now we have hundreds and hundreds of people coming. And it was just, it was insane. God was working in people's lives in powerful ways. Alpha grew as a powerful ministry. People were being saved. People were being set free from things in their lives. Uh, children's ministry was just growing and teen ministry was just exploding with, uh, with teens and impact and uh, so many different avenues of things were, were happening. It was so exciting, but um, there, there was also this other side of it because from a staff perspective, we were still operating pretty much with the same staff we had when we were a church of 350 because just, this is just facts of life, okay? I'm just sharing facts of life with you here. When a church has a big bump like that, you go from 400 to let's just say 800. Uh, we were at nine, we averaged 900 in the year 2009. When that happens, um, the giving does not increase proportionately. And a lot of reasons for that. For one, for one thing, man, we're just getting people saved. And there's no concept of giving. And for no, others come for a while and it takes them a while to get into the flow of things. And so we're operating with pretty much the same staff, a um, little bit of increase and, and a little bit of increase in hours for staff. But from a staff perspective, it was kind of like just this time where we're just trying to keep our heads above water and just working so hard to keep things going and to organize and to, and to, and to stay ahead of things. 
And um, w- when you do that, you, you kind of back off of a risk-taking edge. And, and you start thinking more in terms of play it safe. You know, got to preserve this. Can't do anything stupid that would, that would um, you know, that would uh, damage what's happening. And, um, and, and as well, you just get tired. And so by 2009, uh, we were tired as a staff. Um, a great years at the same time. In fact, I want to ask how many people here came during that season of time? Let's say 2006, 2009, right? All right, awesome, awesome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for staying. Thank you for serving. Everybody who served in all those years, it's bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit. I mean, every, everybody whose lives are being changed, it's bearing fruit. And so by 2009, we hit a couple rough spots uh, as, as a staff and um, um, some tough decisions to make. And we knew we we're going to lose people, but um, we, we, we just some tough stuff we had to do. And um, nevertheless, the, we, you know, we maintained the attendance of 800 or so, and, um, and, but still... You know, we're still pressing. But one of the things that had happened is I think we had kind of drifted from our unity around the vision. And, and somewhat the vision was, was still there. We still were wanting Holy Spirit ministry and the presence of God and the healing and, and, and even power evangelism. We wanted all of that. But we we're so busy that it, it kind of like... It, it just kind of like faded into the background somewhat. Does that make sense? And then I think even as a staff, I didn't, give, I didn't have the ability to give the staff the attention they needed. And um, I mean, that was partly ability, partly just that I, I drifted into leading out of anxiety. And so when you're leading out of anxiety, you just, th- 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 there's nothing worse. I mean, you just can't lead when, you're, when there's anxiety. And so... Uh, that kind of like filters into the staff. And uh, I mean, on the one hand, stuff, we're just seeing fantastic things happen. On the other hand, you know, there's, there's just leaders are getting worn out. By 2011, that kind of, we, we hit a um, point where there was kind of a cascade of resignations. Oh, I got to back up to this. 2009, we planted Lavinia in Price Hill. Yeah, that's, let's cheer about that, okay? That's awesome. 2009, people were coming and getting saved. They were going through Alpha and getting blasted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, even though we, we, we kind of drifted from that core of Holy Spirit ministry, Alpha was still holding that up, and Holy Spirit Day and Alpha was a powerful thing. And lots of good, good things happening. And then getting to plant another church like that that's thriving right now is a powerful thing. And so it's always like there's struggles and there are victories. But uh, there was a lot of struggles. And 2011 uh, had hit this point where there were a number of resignations on the staff. And um, first, the first one, just well done by the staff member. Uh, loving and friendly and encouraging and, and yet still key staff person gone. Next one, I want to spend more time with my grandchildren. Uh, key staff member gone. Other one, well, I'm going to go to this other church and do this. Okay, key staff member gone. Another one, I'm just tired and everything's not going the way you know, I'd hoped. And, and so 
um, all godly people that loved Jesus and served well and really had a huge role in this church being what it is today, but nevertheless just came to that point where where we see this. And there were like seven or eight total, I think, out of a staff of 14 or 15 at the time. And, um, and so that, you know, that has a huge impact on the whole system. And uh, fortunately, these were all just godly people that were not like, um, well, they're just good people. But um, yeah, and I had received a prophetic word secondhand from a major prophetic voice that 2011 was going to be a year where God changed staffs in churches. There's going to be a lot of staff turnover in churches, and God was doing that in preparation for stuff in the future. So I took some comfort from that and hoped that was right, and I think that that was right. But um, nevertheless, when something like that happens, you also have to look at yourself. And as, you know, as the key leader, I, you know, I really had to open my heart up to, um, you know, where do I need to grow? What are my weaknesses? You know, why am, you know, why is so many people frustrated and frustrated with me? And, and so it's a time of self-examination, which I hope I've grown a lot through that. But uh, 2011 was uh, a year that um, we hired Dave King as the executive pastor. Dave King, stand up. Here he is, yeah. So Dave has had an ability to uh, focus multiple directions. Uh, I would say that largely because of Dave's presence here, our staff today is more unified than ever. Uh, We have a unity around purpose and vision. Uh, We all know Holy Spirit ministry is the tip of the spear, okay? And I'm gonna talk about that, the tip of the spear next week and what that means, the Holy Spirit ministry is the tip of the spear. But there's a unity on the staff that um, I think is so largely due to Dave being here and caring for the staff and drawing us all together. And so that, that's been a really great blessing. But um, prophetic words are important. Scripture is preeminent always. Read scripture with the Holy Spirit enlightening your mind and God will feed your soul. Prophetic words come at key moments to strengthen us. And in fact, in 1 Timothy 1.18, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by the prophecies, not the commands, the prophecies, you fight the good fight. And that's, I mean, I've, I've looked at this in the Greek language. He is not referring to the commands, but the prophetic words that Timothy had received. And by them, he's saying, Timothy, because of these prophetic words you've received, keep on going. Let them strengthen your heart. Let them strengthen your life. And some of the key words we've received here as a church... Um, In fact, I would even say that 2011, um, while it was a time of loss and heartache, it was also kind of a a time of a new emphasis that God started speaking to us. And um, in, in, in one of the words that we received in 2011 was this, God is showing us a new way to do things. Is that up there? It's not a new way, but an old way, getting us back to our roots. Okay, so that was a word that God gave us, and we received that word, let it settle in, and said, okay, God, let that happen. Let that happen. 
Uh, Robbie Dawkins was here in 2011. And uh, you may not know who Robbie is, but if you hang around here for long, you will. He's a, a prophetically gifted guy that from the vineyard that, that has a powerful healing ministry and, and, uh, and just a prophetic type of training and teaching ministry. But Robbie said this, God's, God's calling us into the greatest level of risk we've ever experienced. Okay, now that's cool because risk is where it's at. Risk is where the life is. Without risk, there isn't growth. Um, 2012, I, I made a trip to Zimbabwe with Robbie Dawkins. Had a powerful time there. And I'm going to share uh, at least one of those stories with you next week because I think it's really pertinent to what God's doing here. But I came back uh, excited about what the Holy Spirit can do. Uh, 2013, we sent Dale and Wendy McMillan to Frisco, Texas to plant a church. And uh, Jacob and uh, Stephanie Harold as well. And so they're, they're, they're down there right now pastoring this new church that's thriving and it's growing and they're just doing great. So again, that's something to cheer about. That's exciting. That's exciting thing. And I mean, how many people here came to this church with, between 2009 and the present? How many came? Look at that. Wow. That's awesome. Man, I love you all. It's so awesome, so awesome to have, have you here and, and part of this. In 2013, we received this word. Uh, this was on New Year's Eve 2013. This was right before we hired Luke and Wilson. This person had no idea that uh, we were even thinking about hiring these guys. But here's what he said. Is it there? There it is. We're going to begin to see the fulfillment of outreach and power evangelism and the young adults are going to lead, lead us. Okay, isn't that cool? Yes. Yeah. That's what's happening. Another word that uh, we received for the year 2014 was this. In 2014, we're going to find so much gold in the people that it will feel like the California gold rush. Okay, <laughs> that doesn't mean literal gold, but gold in the sense of God's deposited something in each one of you. You know, Jesus, then the Holy Spirit has deposited gifts in you and strengths and things that he wants to use to bless others. That's the gold. It's, it's your experiences over the course of your life that the Holy Spirit takes and mixes in with everything else you are. And, and he says, okay, I'm going to use this. Now that's the gold. And so uh, there's a lot of gold here, a lot that God wants to do in our lives and through us. So uh, 2014 was a great year, back to risk. Uh, we, not reckless, but risk, hiring Luke and Will, God providing for that. Um, starting the School of Kingdom Ministry, which has been exciting. And uh, next year, we're gonna or next week, uh, going to talk more about this whole thing of the tip of the spear and, um, and, and what God's doing. But it's a new season of building, different type of building, but a new season of building. And uh, what I want to do right now is just share with you a little bit about the risk that we're taking as we form the budget for this year. And I, and I share this because we all need to know. We, we're all part of it. And this is all we've ever done. I mean, this is how this building came up was we said, here's what we think God wants to do. Here's, here's what, we, what it needs. Pray about it. And, that, and that's what I want to do right now. As we were putting the budget together uh, and, and really looking at what is it that um, God wants to do this year, we came up with a number for a weekly income that we need for the budget. And that's 
$19,700 per week in 2015. Now, um, the, the thing about that is that in 2014, we received an average of $18,100 per week. And so that leaves us with the need for $1,600 weekly increase. And I say this, and I mean it, we're trusting God. I mean, God's doing stuff, God's working, he provides for what he's doing. And we're just trying to plan according to what we see him doing and say, oh, it's going to cost this much. All right, we're going to trust God for that. So um, I, we, we bring this to you, though, because you're all part of it. You're part of the adventure, you're part of the plan, you're part of the risk. And most of the time, God doesn't provide through huge gifts. Most of the time, he provides through small gifts, a lot of people giving. And that's why one of our staff members pointed out this week that if everybody, every adult that attends this church increased their giving by $5 a week, that would be $2,500 a week, which would more than cover uh, those increases and enable us to do even more to reach more people and to impact more people and to just to, to be welcoming to more and more and more people. So I, I toss that out to you to pray about um, we're going to go boldly into the future with God, like this Star Trek saying, uh, where no man has gone before. I'm not sure we're going to do that, but we want to go where we've never gone before. And we want to go everywhere God's leading us to go. So what we're going to do right now is worship. And uh, there's a lot to worship about. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the prophetic words that I received was had to do with worship and actually we're going to watch a video right now not worship so you see the camera up here we're still taping uh testimonies and we have this great testimony video right now uh that will kind of kind of help you to see some of the things god's doing so we're going to watch that right now and then we're going to worship after that i'm kathy and this Don. is the and we've been coming for about 10 years. My name is Julie. I've been in this church for several years. My name's Beth, and this is my husband, Bubba. And we just moved here from Oklahoma. My name is Andrew Three, so I've been here about over four and a half years. Uh, my name is Aaron Ross. I've been coming to Vineyard Northwest for about six months. My name is Debbie Geiger, and I have been coming to this church for since 2006. My name is Shauna Taylor. I've been a part of Vineyard Northwest for a year and some odd months. So we're Stephen Barb Steffens and we've been here 12 to 13 years, wow. something like that. Yeah. My name is Laura Doyle and I've been here since 2010. My name's Pam. Um, I've just been coming here a couple of months. My daughter and son-in-law invited me here. Uh, we are Larry and Vicki Erlinger. Uh, my name's Edward Gossmeyer. I only came just today actually. I, I woke up this morning and I said, I want to go to church. Hi, I'm Julie, this is Clark, and this is my husband, Dave Clark. We came and uh, started coming in 2005, we went at the Y. Ken Worley, and I started here the second week the church uh, came to this building. Awesome. Uh, my name is Chris Miller. I've been a part of the vineyard for about eight months now. Uh, my name is Donna, and I've been part of Northwest for about four or five years. My name is uh, Jen Anders, and I've been coming for about seven years. Awesome. Yeah. Andrea Rogers, and I've been here since, I believe, about 2004. Uh, Mark Pack. 
and I've been coming here since last Easter. I didn't have hardly any friends uh, when I came here, and I just took one step after the other. I went through Alpha. I got in a small group, and I encourage everybody who's not in a small group to get in one now because it helps build your friendships and it helps build your support system, which I think we all need. Um, five years ago, I went through a, a very horrible tragedy, and in that tragedy, I didn't know if I would even survive. But this church, um, and meaning the people, isn't about the building, but the people came alongside me and really, really um, supported me through a, a really long journey. It has been the ride of my life. And you guys have opened your hearts to us to... You haven't condemned us or looked down on us where we were and where we came from. You've just loved us as we are. We came here not knowing what God had for us, but we truly believe this is where we're supposed to be, and we love this church. I love this church. My three kids love it. I don't know about it, but God is in this building. It makes me cry. Wow, when the music was being played, I had tears coming down. And I know this is the right church to go to. One thing that's really changed my life is obviously the house group, Young Adults Ministry here. I didn't have a relationship with God. And then through house group, I like met Jesus. And that's really impacted my life in a completely different way. And I'm on a completely different path than I would have been. And so that's really cool. I just prayed out, you know, God, I need help. And um, I just got surrounded by people here, and I really feel like this place saved my life. Recently, I had a broken uh, humerus bone and a radial fracture. Uh, I was told I had to have surgery and uh, hardware put in my elbow. When I, I had prayer for that before the surgery, and when the doctor got in there, uh, he said, I don't know what happened, but the humorous bone was totally healed it was uh, verified by x-rays i was driving down the road and i noticed like a co coke bottle feeling around my eyes like my eyesight oh. next monday it was full-blown double vision eventually to a neuro ophthalmologist who told me that it was the muscles in one of my eyes and it was doing this weird thing it was going to be they would let it go for six months and then they'd have to operate to correct the muscle ended up she said well we should pray for you when i said about my eyes yeah. I was a little uncomfortable about it because I was new here, but I thought, well, okay, I don't want to be rude. Yeah, you know, we can pray. So they just prayed simple prayer over me that night, and I left and thought that was really, you know, that's cool. That was nice. Well, I woke up the next morning, and my, my double vision was completely gone. I, I, as soon as I opened my eyes, I knew something was different. I had an appointment with a neuro-ophthalmologist that day. This is how God works. He tested and everything. He said, you have a marked improvement, wow. and even if we did surgery, we couldn't make it any better. Oh you know, it's as you know. So awesome. he released me. I told him about this crazy thing. I said, "This is crazy." They prayed for me. I got healed. He said, "All oh, that happens all the time." There's something. There's a change, and like I feel more at peace. God was just, you know, putting on my heart. There was a lot of, a lot that there was to be given to me that I hadn't received yet. First Sunday that we visited. In the Y, during the worship, I really felt God hit me and say, this is where you can be. And then to take it to that next level mm. and be able to teach children and just have that legacy um, is just the most important thing. It's 
sauce. I've been free from so many years of religious bondage that has been shaken off of me. I can't begin to tell you just how free, free I am. Yes, yes indeed. I've had physical healing since I've been here. More importantly, I've had spiritual healing, deep down rooted spiritual healing that I've just been free from. And, 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 and I got to tell you, I'm in love with God more and more every day because of my experience here. And the first time we walked in, it was, it was home. Yeah, it felt like home. Yeah. This, is, this is my home. The Holy Spirit is alive here at the Vineyard Northwest. We really sense the Holy Spirit. It's a place to encounter God. I want more and more, and I just never had that before. I feel God's presence here. How the Holy Spirit is present right here in this church and in this community. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Here I just sense God's presence. God is here. And you can actually feel the presence of the Lord here. God's here and he's working here. That's cool. God is amazing. I love being in his presence. I really love everyone's passion for the Holy Spirit. One night I came here and the Holy Spirit broke out here. He's brought back that joy to my life. And um, he's healing. He has healed me. Feeling the presence of God and his love and his caring for me. We're going to start dancing now. <laughs> I love Jesus. Hey. <laughs> High five. That was awkward. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? All right. Hey, um, I wanted, we're going to do two things. I want you to stand with me. And I want everyone to say this with me. that Open heavens, open heart to an open heaven. Okay? That's what we want. We have open hearts to an open heaven. So let's just all say that to God. Let's say it this way. God, I want to have an open heart to an open heaven. God, I want to have an open heart to an open heaven. So Holy Spirit, come now as we worship. And a prophetic word we had envisioned all of the leaders of the church at the front worshiping. And so if you are a small group leader, a life group leader, you don't have to be under 30 to do this, okay? In fact, we want all those up here too. But if you're on the prayer team, if you're staff, children's ministry, teen, young adults, ushers, if you're in school of kingdom ministry, come on up, okay? Would you right now? Yeah, come on up. Come on up, everybody. Move on in so there's room. Just keep moving on in so that we're not like backing up too far down the hallways. Aisleways, yeah. Okay, now if you think you're supposed to be up here but you're not sure, come on up, okay? (laughs) Now if you want to come up here, you're welcome, okay? This is going to be a powerful time of worship. And uh, so, Lord Jesus, we honor you and lift up your name now. Holy Spirit, come. 